I'm a part-time rock star, but I go to work and work hard. What's up? Welcome to episode two of the Part-Time Rockstar podcast. I am your host, Brett. Today, I have my buddy and drummer, Luke Justin Roberts, on the podcast to talk about some of his solo projects and how he makes money and all that stuff. Probably one of the most gregarious and just kind of outgoing people that I know. Definitely doesn't shy away from the camera and is uh, multi-talented when it comes to music and recording and pretty much everything that goes into it. So once again, thanks for tuning in. Luke Roberts. No record deal, no fancy car, I'm a part-time rock star. What's up? We are live and recording with episode two of the Part-Time Rockstar Podcast. I'm here with the ever-increasingly popular Luke Justin Roberts, Daniel Roberts' brother, uh, incidentally. What's up, man? What's happening, dude? So, uh, you're a man of many talents. Um, I could get into them. Um, at least from my standpoint, playing drums for me and my band. The Hollow Truths is uh, is pretty cool, and I always appreciate that, um, especially on these new songs that are coming out. Dude, it's been a blast. Uh, pretty much a monster on the kit, but uh, I'd probably be remiss if I tried to describe all the things that you do. So uh, I'd kinda, I can let you sum it up if you want. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll give it a go. Um, so I guess the way I, I typically describe myself is... I'm a musician and social entrepreneur. Um, so musician, obviously, you know, write songs, I play drums, sing, uh, play a couple different instruments and arrange, you know, my own music. Um, and then as a social entrepreneur, I try to come up with uh, profitable ways to solve social problems. Um, one of the things I think is so interesting about the world today is that you can get paid a whole lot of money, millions of dollars, to like go and make violent video games. but you know, as soon as you want to dedicate your life to doing something good, um, you know, you work at a nonprofit and you can't make more than like 30, 40 grand, maybe a little bit more, unless you're a CEO, where, you know, that whole thing is just kind of weird. Um, you know, you might get paid out the wazoo for something like that. Um, so are you already pulling the altruism card here? Uh, not <laughs> intentionally, but uh, apparently it, it just kind of came out that way. But um, I thought the goal is to get famous or something. Well, I guess the goal is to live a, a full life. Um, or maybe if you're famous, you can help people more yeah. than you would be if you're not famous. Yeah, um, I definitely say that's something I want to do um, on on the way there and as I get there. Um, but I want to be that person now too. So um, yeah, so I, I try to come up with creative ways to do that. So my dad and I are building an app that you know is going to let people do that and get involved in social causes um, and support nonprofits. Um, but yeah, that's 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 probably the the big two things. Um, and then I do video stuff, you know, start out doing that for my, uh, my own self trying to make cooler YouTube videos. Yeah. And, so uh, that's how I got into that. That's kind of what you're increasingly known for. I think, um, before we get into like your fan club, <laughs> um, since this podcast is music oriented, but it's also occupationally oriented towards how we try to make money to support basically having fun going out and playing music yeah living our best lives how do you make money yeah so right now 
uh, there's two ways I make money. Um, one is through my music, but that's not the primary thing. So right now I have a Patreon page where people pledge a certain amount monthly uh, in order to help me create more music. Um, they're you know big fans and want to support me in that and help me to go full time at some point. Um, so about you know three fifty a month is coming in through that, uh, and that varies you know from month to month depending on what people are able to do. But it's pretty constant around there. Um, and then depending on you know how things are going with that fan club uh, and the marketing there, I'll sell a different amount of merch through my online sales funnel as well for my band or for my music. So and that within the last two months, I made about seven hundred dollars in merch sales. Um, now it's not net, you know. Obviously, like yeah, you don't have to name numbers or anything like that. Oh well, I I like talking uh, about the actual numbers though because that's what people really want to know, right? Sure. So seven hundred dollars, you know, how much did it cost me in advertising and shipping and all that stuff to do that? Well, it's about five hundred, so I probably made maybe two hundred. Uh, but then you know, merch sales will fluctuate. So right now, I don't consider that really profitable yet. Um, it's almost there. Probably about pays for itself, which is great because I can basically not lose any money, but still be building a dedicated fan base online. Um, but the main thing I do is I make videos for other bands, uh, and if businesses want me to make videos for them, then I do that too. Including my band or our band, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess you also had maybe some big news today about potentially landing a new idea for how to shoot music videos. Yeah. Or landing new clients, as you say. Yeah, yeah. So one of the biggest challenges um, that I feel like musicians have uh, and it's it's a conflict between musicians and the people who are shooting the videos is budget right as a musician you can't every month spend three thousand dollars on one video to keep putting out regular content that's just not feasible unless you just have a ton of money which most musicians don't right so We're pretty good at being poor right right so <laughs> And it's and it takes it's you have to be really creative to come up with with uh, new ways to do things, or you have to learn how to uh, learn a whole new skill set. And if you spend all your time on a skill set, then that means that you're not on working on the music. At least it's very hard to balance those. Um, and of course, sometimes you're really naturally gifted at you know doing the music, but it's a lot harder to pick up the video or the marketing or whatever it is. So um, I've been trying to solve that problem by basically figuring out how can I create really high quality videos for bands, but not have to charge them a ton of money, uh, but it's, and it's, it's worth, it's, it's low enough that they can do it on a monthly basis, um, but it's also enough for me as a business that I can make that work from a financial perspective. Um, so, the, so the news basically was that uh, I came up with this idea where, you know, if we rent a really sweet location, um, then that location cost kind of gets split, you know, amongst a bunch of different bands, and we have all these bands come in on the same day, each band gets an hour time slot, and we do these one-take videos where instead of switching between a bunch of different angles, you know, I'm using the camera to just kind of move around and capture the action as the song happens. And that way, and that only takes about an hour to get up to two good takes, or two good songs. So we can do two videos uh, for a band within an hour, and we can have, you know, up to eight bands come in throughout the day. So if we suddenly see 10 bands or local area bands come out with music videos, the very, very similar location, we know who to blame. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and, and part of what, and that was, so that was actually one of the things that initially people were wondering about. It's like, well, can we have videos that look different? So I've got some strategies to do that, whether it's, you know, the, where the lights are placed or the color of the lights or the time of day. So we can vary that up. Um, yeah. But we'll also have kind of a branding around it as like, 
Um, this is, you know, the kind of the live at Wikimoco. So that's our first location is 1100 Wikimoco in Baltimore, Under Armour's former headquarters. So we can kind of brand it as like, oh, these are all the artists from our live at, you know, 1100 Wikimoco in um, March 2020. Uh, and then we'll continue to do that. So that way people, you know, have really high quality content um, that they can push. But it's also understood that it's part of, you know, something that's a little bit bigger. So and that that's a much better price point. So. You know, we can, the rate that we do for that is 397 bucks uh, for the single hour, and that's for the video portion. And then if you want live audio, uh, we do, you know, up to two songs for 250 uh, right That includes a couple of mixed revisions. Cool. So, yeah, I guess uh, while we're at it, you could quickly mention that you go by Luke Justin Roberts, or is it the LJR creative <laughs> that you want people to look for? Um, e e either way, it depends. I mean, if you're looking for my music, it's Luke Justin Roberts. Um, but if you're looking for uh, content creation or to hire me as somebody to help you make content, then that's LJR Creative. Cool. Figure I might as well get that out of the way since it's the obvious question, uh, if anyone's interested in that. Um, kind of switching gears then, um, what are some of your interests outside of music or trying to make money through music or production or... Basically, what do you do for fun? Yeah. Um, well, right now, most of what I do for fun uh, revolves around coming up with creative new ideas for things. So most of most of my fun is like it's working work. on stuff. But yeah. when I when I don't do that, which I guess is the the question that you you know just asked, is I'm either uh, trail running um, out in you know Patapsco or or some local park that's close to me, just getting out there in the woods and forgetting everything and fully embracing the the physicality of my existence um, and trying to push those limits um, almost as a sort of meditation it makes me feel super alive. Uh, so either that or Netflix, you know, and pizza. So it's kind of this is the time to ingratiate yourself and say you run thousands of miles a week. And oh, I, all that. I, I wish. I mean, I, I do when I can, but I keep seeming to injure myself every couple of months. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, typically when I'm really into it, I'll run, you know, six to eight miles a couple of times a week. And I, my goal is to get to the point where once a week I'm doing a half marathon on trails, which I've gotten there before. And it feels great um, and I love it. But, you know, I I kept doing something stupid like dancing at a wedding and tearing my <laughs> muscle in my foot over and over. You know, it was bad. <laughs> well, that does seem like a, an LJR way to hurt yourself. Mm. I've never heard of one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up your fan club. Hmm. <laughs> ask you about that I mean uh, I guess yeah. the backstory is you're pioneering some different strategies online to to promote your music yeah yeah so I've always been trying to come up with creative ways to efficiently get my stuff out there um, and there's different reasons for that one is I just want to one is just I'm lazy so that motivates me to figure out how can I do the least amount of work to get the best result which in a way is like I'm not actually lazy. I work a lot, so I, I understand that. But uh, I also don't want to do any more work than I have to. So it motivates me. Efficiency. Motivates me to find efficiency, yeah. So um, in that end, or to that end, I've always been looking at different online courses, and I get marketed these things all the time, like how to push your music on Facebook with Facebook ads or Instagram, how to build your streaming platform revenue and fan base. And... Um, I had gotten some of those and had tried some of that stuff and I had gotten some good results from it, but it wasn't like, 
Like I never made money from it. Um, I'll just get some fans. But uh, then my buddy Eli hit me up. Uh, he's another Eli Lev. He's a, a DC area uh, like folk Americana kind of artist. Uh, got some really great stuff. Just put out a new album, and he had taken this course called the Modern Musician, and he let me know about it because they were looking for a video editor, and they were prepared to offer the course in exchange for um, video editing services. Um, and at first, I was like, "Well, you know, I've taken a lot of these courses. I don't know if this is worth it." Um, and it's also expensive. It's like a $5,000 course. So it's a lot, especially for musicians. But um, since I would get it for free as a video editor, I was willing to consider it. Um, and thankfully I did because this course has completely changed the trajectory of my career and how I think about things. Um, it seems successful online. I mean. Yeah. So this is, this is kind of where that fan group came from. So the course, amongst many other things, like packing your, your shows or... Um, you know, coming up with the branding and developing high quality music uh, that's authentic to you. They also teach you how to um, have an automated sales funnel basically for your music. So you want people to always be hearing your new music and becoming fans and engaging with you and buying your merch and listening to your music constantly, right? That's the goal. But it's hard to get that effectively. Um, but using their strategies, that's that's how I sold $700 in merch over the past two months. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it's like these these pop sockets, which are awesome. Um, which but, maybe I'll add a, a picture online of yeah, these yeah. things because uh, amongst <laughs> our friend group, they seem pretty popular now. Yeah. Like everybody's got one. Yeah. So these things are great. And they're not too expensive. You can get them in bulk. Um, and because they're not too expensive, I can give them as a free giveaway. Um, so on, for anybody who joins my, my streak team or my, my fan club, uh, called the LJR fam, um, you know, they get this for free. They just cover the shipping costs. So free meaning normally I'd sell it for like 20 bucks at a show. It includes pop socket, signed photographs, stickers, and a temp tattoo. Uh, normally just the pop socket alone is like $15 if you're going to buy one on Amazon. But for this, if you do seven dollars ship, just, which is just the shipping and handling, that's enough to cover the manufacturing cost of the pop socket, um, and also the shipping and handling it takes, or the shipping that it takes to get it to the person, um, and also the advertising cost. If you're advertising efficiently enough, which the course teaches you how to do, so the the goal of that is simply to pay for the ad spend, so that now you're not losing money in order to grow your fan base, and everything happens on autopilot too. So. You know, there's a video that you market to fans who like bands that, you know, sound like you. You say, hey, I've got a new song that's coming out. Um, you know, I sound like these different bands. If you want to hear my new song, send me a message and I'll send it right to your inbox. They send the page a message and then... It seems like it's working. Yeah, dude. And so it's it's pretty great. Um, and it's all, it's all automated, which is the best part. So even the conversation when people send your Facebook page a message... There's a bot that interacts on your behalf, and it tells them that it's a bot too, so you're not hiding anything. Uh, but they'll talk with the bot for a while and get a lot of information and connect, and then it'll automatically send them the link to the Facebook fan group and also to the free starter pack, the $7 offer. And that's how people go through, um, and you can actually make that money back so you're not losing money. And you build an engaged fan base. Like This group has around 800 people in it now, um, and I get like a crazy high engagement rate, so, yeah, uh, tons of comments. Say, and say hi to your fans. <laughs> yeah, what's up, guys? <laughs> now you have the backstory behind how he got all this off the ground. 
Yeah. And every day, you know, there's another 10 or so people uh, that join the group, um, sometimes more. I get about, I think it's about 25 new messages to my page a day. And then about half of those people join the Facebook group. Yeah, not bad. So it's pretty great. And they're all excited about live shows. Um, they want to come see me. Some of them are actually traveling from New York to see my first uh, small scale show, uh, which is a half an hour set just in uh, Annapolis. And as we all know, it's exponential. Right. There's a whiteboard behind me, and I've just been waiting to draw something on it. <laughs> but theoretically, you'll get a lot more fans uh, even quicker as you go along, maybe. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is that as you do the marketing, um, you're able to hone your advertising. So first, when you start out with your Facebook ads, you're just targeting people who, you know, like for me, people say my voice sounds kind of like John Mayer or Maroon 5, some similar tones to that. So I first start off by targeting people that have told Facebook they like those artists. But that's not, that's not necessarily um, my ideal fan. Like not all those people are going to like uh, my voice, right? But if I could take all the people that do like my voice from that group and tell Facebook to find more people like them, because Facebook has 10,000 data points in every person, then you can, and, and Facebook's ad system is set up so that they know how to do that. They can find trends in groups of people that engage with their content and figure out what do they all have in common. Then you take uh, a new ad, you, take a, you run new ads to all those people, and you'll actually get a much better return on your investment. Because Facebook will charge you less if you do a better job with your marketing. So instead of paying 35 cents per message to get to my page, I could be paying 7 cents per message, which is what some of the other people in the course are getting. And that multiplies your profit margin and exponentializes your fan base growth. Yeah, just got to make sure that Zuckerberg stays happy, right? That's right. That's right. uh, He'll he'll reward you somewhere from his Hawaiian island. um, Christmas in February. Yeah, you mentioned uh, playing a show there, which I thought was a little funny because obviously I haven't played one yet, but mm-hmm. um, at least as a frontman or with your own band, but you have one coming up. So, I mean, this could be a long-winded question, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on that from kind of shifting from behind the band on the drum kit to front and center yeah. under, under the spotlight? Because I know for me, I'm kind of a reluctant man it's not really within my personality i don't think but for you it definitely seems like it is so i don't know do you want to break that one down yeah yeah um excited nervous yeah so I'm, I'm both like <laughs> exhilarated and super pumped about it um and i see uh I'm, i really want to create experiences that are powerful and meaningful with people together which is why i uh, shifted from just doing drums, where that was kind of a safety net, right? Kind of almost have a physical wall between me and other people, um, to like being up front well, where someone, I could actually engage with people. The beat back there too. So right, right, right. Important. Exactly. And that was a whole trust issue thing of like, well, who can I trust to really do this? Which that was stupid, but mm. just had to get over that. Um, but it's also terrifying. Um, my one of the biggest challenges for me has been working through my artistic fear of how I sound vocally. Um, the vulnerability around that and how, you know, am I going to be able to sing with proper form so that I, my voice lasts the whole night because I grew up singing with really bad form, not good support, so my voice would die quickly. Um, so re- And I've been relearning how to sing correctly, but I'm, you know, nowhere near where I want to be. 
Um, and I would be worried about, you know, sounding pitchy or looking awkward. What do I do with my hands and my body? You know, now I'm, I'm 30 years old now. And I'm just kind of starting a lot of this yeah, stuff. Getting old. Yeah, so it's, it's definitely like a weird feeling of, um, you know, am I too old? Are people going to think I'm all weird doing this, right? So there's a lot of vulnerability there that I know like, hey, this is what I want to do. I feel like I'm meant to do this. It's terrifying, but this is just what I got to go and do. Embrace that fear and, and work through it. Yeah, because um, at least online or in front of a camera, you don't seem shy at all. So. Yeah, but that's that's engaging like this, just talking, which I've had tons of practice doing. But singing, um, there's just so much more vulnerability there. And I, where I want to sing is also a lot higher in my range, yeah. which that takes a lot of like real intention and skill to be able to do, which I'm still developing. Yeah, I don't know. Unless you suck in some helium or something, it's yeah. really tricky, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you'll do all right. Thanks, Just, man. You know, you got to embrace the suck sometimes. Exactly. And that's the biggest thing is realizing that sucking is actually the first step towards what you want. It feels like a step backwards because it hurts emotionally. You <laughs> feel like you're not the thing that you want to be. No, you feel all, like a fake, there's right? There's always beer to numb the pain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for me, it's uh, um, uh, whiskey and pizza, yeah. mostly pizza. Um, yeah. But I do like a good old-fashioned or two. bullies specifically. If yeah. You want to do a little sales rep in here. Yeah, we, we should uh, get sponsored um, for mentioning naming names. But also Aldi's is great because they got a $5, you know, extra-large 16-inch pizza now. Yeah. Which is and super the, good. The cheapest wine on the planet for the Virginians and <laughs> D.C. residents. Maybe not for us. For, yeah, you said it's like $2.99, right? It's like two seventy-five or something down wow. there. They don't have it here in Merlin because we got weird ass liquor laws. Yeah, but, uh, can't get liquor at the grocery store. But yeah, I mean uh, that sort of answers some of my next question, which is like vices, guilty pleasures, mm. stuff like that that maybe you want to talk about or don't want to talk about. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, mean, I'd say it's a public forum, so yeah, I'd say the, um, probably for me the biggest ones are um, one food definitely. Um, with all the work and stuff that I'm, all the yeah. things I'm trying to accomplish, there's a lot you of stress and anxiety. Definitely eat huh? a lot. You and your brothers definitely like to Oh, eat. yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not uncommon for me to eat at least half a pizza, uh, <laughs> if not more, uh, of a 16-inch, you know. Um, and, like, that's normally fine as long as I'm doing my runs and stuff. But um, a lot of the reason why I would eat a lot is because of the stress and anxiety. Because it's just, it's so, it weighs so heavy. So I would just, you know, do that thing where I walk up to the fridge I open it up, doesn't feel like there's anything in there. I'm like, well, okay, I'll, I'll just go away. And then literally 30 seconds later, I'm back there again <laughs> because I feel this tenseness in my body. But if I do my runs, it's not there. Um, but that's, that's definitely a thing. Um, and then also just, you know, for, for a while, I'm, da I'm dating somebody now, um, and she's wonderful. Uh, she's a fantastic singer. Um, but... Uh, for a while, you know, I was just really trying to find somebody because I just felt, you know, really alone. Um, and a lot of my insecurity was definitely a thing that played into my choices. Um, and so I would make different choices with people I would, I would date where, you know, they might not be the best fit for me, really. Um, but I was just so desperate to not be alone that I would make choices uh, that really weren't. pizza bully. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... So, uh Yeah. So, but yeah, now, now thankfully that's in a better place. Um, and it was a great learning opportunity for me to realize like, oh, I'm making 
I could kind of dissociate and see like, oh, I'm making these choices because of these personal issues that I have because of my past and what I feel like I need in order to be loved and all that kind of stuff. So now, now that I'm experiencing something that's really healthy, I can also value that more because of what I experienced before. So Right on. It's a very thorough answer. Um, it also kind of leads into maybe what I would consider, is it your favorite subject to talk about your spiritual journey? Oh, I mean, I've <laughs> some people say yeah. a couple of times here, but uh, if you want to offer us like a synopsis about your mm. quest, I guess it it uh, is heavily involved with how you're writing an album or yeah, uh, writing songs and stuff like that. So if you want to have the floor for that, you can. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, share a little bit. Um, so so I grew up as a. Actually, I'll preface it with this. This actually happens a lot. Well, we were both homeschooled, so that's probably the easiest preface. Yeah. We're yeah. both brainwashed from a young age. Yeah, although you got out a lot earlier than I did. I kind of really bought into it all, and I yeah. tried to convert you back in high school. And You were, uh, you were really annoying, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I... Mean, I, I still I, are, but... Kinda. Well, you know, we all have our, our, our yeah. ways. Definitely steered um, clear back then. Mm-hmm. I, I never thought that you and I were going to be friends. Not that I thought you were a bad person, but <laughs> no, it never seemed like... I but now we're like best friends, which is... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so growing up homeschooled with you and going to church all the time, you know, it was... It was... That was kind of my whole foundation. My, my biggest foundation was, was religion and my identity in, in Christ and as a Christian. You know, the... The thing that gave my life meaning was the fact that I knew who I was and I knew what ultimate reality was, you know, that Jesus died to pay for our sins so that we could go to heaven. And that was the foundation of everything. And I saw the world through those lenses. So everything else had minimal value comparative to that. Um, so my goal was to save souls, you know, go out and help people understand. Just through, not, not through the power of rock and roll. Well, so, but we utilized a lot of the power of rock and roll at youth group that's, that's where true. a lot of yeah. my musical education came from was rocking out and going ham and like fully expressing you know my love for god um and trying to help these people now a lot of it was also like i was in a lot of pain because the girl i really liked was dating somebody else that was a really good friend of mine and like that whole thing was just really difficult for me um so i was expressing a lot of that to god and trying to get this you know uh, this love that I wasn't experiencing the way that I wanted or, or felt like I needed at the time. Um, but that was like my whole identity was, you know, as a Christian, like, okay, this is what gives me meaning and direction. Uh, and then eventually, over time, that just started to crack and whittle away um, because my experience emotionally, which was my main indicator of God being real, I didn't see it that way at the time, but it was, uh, really faded. So like the emotional high of, you know, playing these powerful songs in youth group on Friday nights got a lot less, you know, like a shot in the arm. It just like goes away or it doesn't becomes less intense as you do it more uh, kind of thing. So that went away um, and I held on to the apologetics and the studies that I had done to understand why the New Testament is reliable and worth trusting uh, even though our experience doesn't match what we think it's supposed to be and all that stuff. And eventually, I, my doubt just kept poking holes and looking for a way to, un, to just be acknowledged in some way. And I was just shoving it all down. Um, and the first uh, thing that really kind of opened that up was when I realized that I didn't see any reason why the LGBT community 
was causing damage or was, was painful or, or, or was bad uh, in, in general. Just to be able to have a relationship with somebody that you love, there's nothing fundamentally wrong or damaging about that. What was damaging was the way that the church was treating them and ostracizing them and making them into the bad guy and telling them that you fundamentally in your sexuality are wrong um, or your gender you know, identity. Like those, that, it didn't make any sense to me. Everything else I could kind of point to something that's like, that, that the Bible said of like, oh, this is wrong. And the reason is because there's pain or damage that happens. But, and that kind of helped me to justify why, how I was thinking about stuff. But that one thing did not seem to have that. I couldn't see that at all. Um, in fact, the lack of embracing those people was causing more damage. Um, you know, the, uh, if, if you really, um, the, the, one of the biggest messages uh, of the scripture to me was that, you know, if you follow Jesus, your life won't be like happy and great the whole time, but it'll be worth it, right? Um, and also that you'll see the fruits of the Spirit, right? Those things are promised to people who believe. And the fruits of the Spirit are, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Virtues. Yeah. But those, these are all promised to those people who really follow. Now, what do you see um, when the church ostracizes the LGBT community? You actually see the wages of sin. You see death, right? Literally, people will, you know, try to take their own lives. Uh, and that seems totally flipped, right? We don't see the fruits of the Spirit when they're trying to deny themselves to follow Christ the way he was commanded. So that was, anyway, that's kind of getting more into the nitty-gritty of that. But that initially was kind of the biggest thing that I first changed my mind about and said, okay, this is wrong. I'm still going to hold on to everything else. Um, and eventually, you know, I, because my doubt was um, kind of validated there and I heard it and I realized I was wrong about this, that eventually made me feel more free to be willing to question the other things. So one by one, other things started, you know, changed my mind about those. And then eventually, it just didn't make sense to me anymore why the blood sacrifice was necessary. Uh, it seemed like a really big deal. It seemed, you know, gory and uh, honest, honestly um, kind of disgusting. Like, why would a loving God, you know, ask for that or require that? It seemed um, arbitrary. Like, this is just how things are. Which I was willing to accept if... If I had experiences that I could know were truly, really God, but I had none of those. And that was finally when I realized, like, well, I need to be honest about my experience. Um, and then, of course, there were some other personal experiences that, you know, really kind of, um, like, I, I thought that um, there was a, cir- a series of events that was happening in such a way that this was only God that could have organized this to go in this direction, you know, uh, and then nothing happened from it. And I knew that if it didn't work out the way that it seemed like it was going to after all these years of searching, that something in me was going to break and nothing happened and God didn't do anything. And so that was kind of when it all broke and I started to kind of phase out after that over time. And it was the most, probably the most difficult loss of my life because it was the, you know, a fundamental identity change. And when you're homeschooled too, your, your life experiences are pretty limited. You're mm-hmm. pretty boxed in. So if you only really know one ideology, it can be mm-hmm. tough. Yeah, especially um, when you're changing that later in life. You know. Yeah, I guess the, the sooner the better to kind of get off that train. Yeah, yeah. Can, but uh, I mean, there, there's immense value in religion. Yeah, nothing but, against theology or anything. It's not, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a subreddit of people that uh, believe that maybe we're all in a computer simulation all yeah. the time. And so that's, if that makes you feel any better, I mean, you know, right. that's and, an alternative. 
And, and technically, there's, you know, there's no way to prove one way or the other what is true in the spiritual realm, right? When we say provable, we mean material, and things that are spiritual are immaterial, which means not provable. You may still be able to experience them in some way, but, you know, at least right now, when we say spiritual, we don't actually mean something that's materially going on that we can understand. So as our understanding improves, it, you know, it may happen, but um, that it could be that, you know, I'm just totally wrong about this whole Jesus thing, and he actually still is, you know, who he claimed to be. All that stuff could be true. There's just no way for me yeah. to prove that, and I would need to have a personal experience better, that shows me this is, like, really what it is. You better write a nice song about him or something on that album, just in case. Yeah, I've got really. a couple songs that are not, they're not, they're not God-hating at all. You know, they're just more, they're just honest about the pain that um, I went through as a loss, as a, through, through that intense loss of everything. Well, there you have it. That's definitely, definitely the spiel <laughs> on on your background there. Um, I maybe wrapping it up here. Uh, whatever we didn't cover about your updates here, um, you have the next show or the first mm-hmm. show, really. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. if you want to tell people about that, um, and then there's also maybe new music coming out or new videos yeah. doing. Yeah. Sure. So. Um, so the first show coming up, it's on March 21st at the Metropolitan Kitchen and Lounge or yeah, um, Annapolis in Annapolis, uh, doors open at seven 30. Um, the way I'm kind of doing this one is like, it's private for just friends and family. And that doesn't mean that, you know, the general public can't come. Um, but I'm just not actively promoting it to a larger audience because this is the first show I'm playing, so I'm trying right. to work out the so kinks. So we won't but talk about that one. No, 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 no. <laughs> what the, I only bring it up to say, like, any, list, any listeners of the podcast, you guys are definitely welcome to come. Um, but in general, I'm not promoting it. Um, and we'll just, so, but I, I have an actual promotion strategy for, like, you know, running Facebook video ads and that kind of stuff for future shows. And there's actually cheap billboard advertising you can do hmm. to get your face on the billboard for as little as $5 a day. Which is pretty amazing. Um, the LJR space could be on a billboard. Yeah. <laughs> Soon enough, we're driving down 95. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, so that's that's the show. And then I've got some new songs that are coming out. I'm working on my album, my first debut solo album. There's going to be 12 songs in that. Excuse me. We're trying to finish recording in the next two months or so. And then uh, start releasing the songs over the next year. Um. And in the meantime, I'm doing some covers. Uh, so I just recorded another one last week, and I gotta finish the vocals on that. So I'm trying to actually do that today, uh, but that should be out hopefully next week. Right on. Well, that about wraps everything up. Uh, you can find all Luke's stuff on YouTube and every other social interface on the planet, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So I need to work up my TikTok presence. And I don't know if you're on Twitter either. I'm I'm barely on Twitter, and by that yeah. I mean I don't ever check it, and notifications are turned off. But yeah, I so don't hit him up on Twitter. Twitter but <laughs> everything else, at least don't don't expect a response quickly. It'll be like three weeks yeah. late. And um, I guess we also have a show the night before your first show as well. Yeah, a fish head with uh, with my band or our band, however you want to call it. Woo! But. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. So. Sweet, man. Dude, thanks for having me. This has been fun. Yeah, hopefully we'll get you on here again. Yeah, for sure. All right. Later. Peace.
Alright, so thanks Luke for coming on the podcast and supporting this venture. Um, you can find all his stuff, like he said, on all the social media platforms, and he's always putting out the new videos. Uh, they're pretty cool, so check them out. Um, only thing to mention, really, is that uh, my band is playing March 20th at Fishhead Cantina up in uh, Hailthorpe or Arbutus, Maryland. Um, hopefully we'll be putting out uh, new songs to a new EP called Parasocial before that, so it'll be kind of a uh, release party of sorts. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in, and uh, hopefully we'll have a new episode out soon. But I'm a part-time rock star, and I go to work, work hard, I'm a part-time